Hello and welcome back to our latest podcast in the Tap Talks HR series. Uh, this time we're talking to Dave Milner, known as the HR Curator. Hi Dave. Hi Anthony. Thanks for being here today. Pleasure. Um, and today, Dave, I think we're talking about the topic of the leader of tomorrow, and which in itself is, is quite a broad topic. But what, I'm going to open it with what do you think the difference will be of the leader of today to the leader of tomorrow? Okay, I think the best way I can think of it is I see today's leaders working in sort of maybe a, an analog way, you know, going showing my age there, obviously. But I, I think, you know, leaders are, it's a tough job as a leader. It's quite a lonely job. And, and I think that's not going to change. But I, I think the underlying trends and themes that are going to change them to being possibly a digital leader or whatever phrase we want to catch, um, I think will really revolve around the fact that there will be increasing uncertainty, everything is going to be so much faster, we've obviously got the impact of technology and what that will do to the role of leaders and managers, um, so for example, that there'll be probably less high touch, for want of a better word, because you know it may be that most of the communication might be done through Skype, through Zoom, through whatever, because you know, people may not necessarily always be in the same location anymore as in fact they are today. So I think there are a lot of demands that are evolving from the new work challenges. And and I think that therefore means that leaders are going to have to truly think about how they behave, what they do and how they do it more than they've ever done before. And, and I think that's quite interesting. And I know we've spoken uh, about how the workforce of today is, is, is leading to much more emotive kind of um, experiences that they want to have and their needs, etc. So that obviously reflects on the leader of, of tomorrow as well. They need to become more emotionally intelligent. Well, yeah, I, I think I think you're right. You know, I think you and I have probably grown up in a in a world where command control was the way that things were done and there are still organizations today that operate in that sort of way may not maybe as as harshly as it used to be but I, I think there is a real requirement and need to focus on performance and development that that for me is the is the shift that we're talking about here and um, and I think w- aligned with that velocity and speed of change is really going to make the leader's role more complex, probably more challenging than ever before. It's certainly not going to be simple. Yeah, and I, and I, I like the, the way you're saying that the leadership has evolved over time. It's always been there, but I think what it's done has been pretty reflective on social aspects. So, for example, I, I know going back to my early career is very much driven by performance reviews. You had KPIs and you, you delivered them or you got shouted at kind of thing to deliver them. But then the marketplace was very much, uh, it was employer driven. And I think today it's very much an employee driven marketplace. And actually, if you don't feel like you're valued in work and actually you have meaning to what you do, then actually a lot of people can say, well, I, okay, I'll just get up and go and work over there. Very much so. And I think we've talked in the past about the employee experience, but I think you know that the true advocates of that will be the leaders and managers and supervisors. So I think that is really at the heart of what I've seen from some of the, the research that I've, I've just recently done on that.
And and one of the things I, I've I've spoken about recently, actually, it was a, it was a blog. It was um, around the world of co-working spaces. Now the the, the big brand in London at the moment, which is in fact everywhere is WeWork, but mm-hmm. there's obviously other brands out there. Yeah. Um, and the fact that there's a there's a possibility that in every high street, in every town, we'll have co-working spaces. So you won't when you go to work. You won't go to work in your company's headquarters. You'll go to work at a, a local co-working space with people who have become almost your colleagues, but actually have all worked for different companies. Yes. How is the leader supposed to uh, emotionally engage with you when one, they're not there, and two, your your best friend at work, to use a Gallup poll, yeah. is actually someone who works in a different organisation? Yeah, I, I think the, the locationless employees, I call them. In other mm. words, they don't have a a stable home for, for want of a better word it will be a challenge but I, but I think that's why the from what I've been reading and, and and collating some information about is that when the leader and manager interacts with the employee it's going to be critical that they get it right because they may not have that daily interaction as they may have had in the past um, you know managers and you know, at a supervisory level may be managing machines and, and I don't mean them, you know, dictating that, but they will be managing the performance of what the algorithms, the robots, the system is doing. So, you know, there's a lot of different changes that are coming and that's going to make different behavioural demands, I think, on, on some of the leaders and managers of tomorrow. And, and with regard to the fact that the employees, looking at employee experience, looking forward, they want to feel more valued and more individual. Yeah. The fact that you're going to have less of your senses available to see how they're doing, because I mean, we all know you have an open plan office, you see someone walk with their shoulders two inches lower than they usually are, you know something's up. But actually, if you're always remote and you only have like a, a, touch, a, a touch point call every now and again, it's going to be reliant on the, the, man, the leader to actually have the confidence in their own emotional intelligence they can have an emotional conversation with their employee to check in and see how they are yeah no very much so and i think if we sort of just talk very quickly about some of the the work that i've just researched up mm-hmm. on might be quite interesting i mean particularly this building an experience is going to be really important for for leaders and they're going to do that probably by building trust which is going to be as you've just outlined going to be more difficult than before because we don't have that daily interaction Um, there's certainly going to be something I call a talent magnet in other words it's not just about developing employees taking it to another level is actually having people who are saying I want to work for that person because I know they're really good at growing people learning providing stretch projects that sort of thing because employees will talk as we know they do and I think also the the leader will be more of a navigator around an organization where do you need to go to get that what's the sort of information that you need access to so I think you know in that building that experience is going to be really important underpinned by those sorts of three um, themes that seem to have emerged that's, and that's interesting because probably you don't have to go back too far or even current thinking now that the role of a leader we, we always say well the, the culture is the organizational culture and your role is to enhance that culture what we're actually saying is almost like you're building it you, there are certain aspects of it but because 
the touch points of the employee are probably going to be less in the future to the whole organisation because you won't see the reception area when you walk no. in and, and what's on the TV screens. Um, it's actually going to be, in your own words, building the experience. It's actually the onus of the employee experience falls on the leader so much more. Very much so. And, and I think it, it leads on to, to what I, I've seen is that they they need to be able to pull together to sort of synthesise information in an easy and simple way, which is is quite hard because there's data, information, analytics coming from everywhere. And so the leader's gonna have to be very clear about what information they share, how they share it, when they share it. So that's gonna be quite an important role about the leader from an intellectual point of view, pulling information together and still promoting the fact that innovation is going to be as important as ever before. I've sort of, I think the phrase I've used is they have to become imagineers. They have to think in a different way, think in different boundaries because we get constrained by our thinking. And I, and I think everything I've been reading up on the future of work is really about we need to extend those boundaries. And the key person to do that will be the leaders and managers because they've got the ability to actually do something about it. I love the concept of Imagineers because it's also it's the grey area of leadership, isn't it? Yes. It's not making sure that tasks are completed. It's almost like being the personal coach of the person, uh, of the employee, and making sure you're helping them get the most out of their own thinking very much so very much so and and again this is not easy you know when they're not necessarily all together for a weekly team meeting or whatever it may be but that's where technology can be used you know we've got all sorts of wonderful kit that enables you to almost run virtual team meetings as if they're there so you know that's just something we're going to have to get used to it may not be the ideal but that may well be the most effective way to actually do some of these things and you talked about the role of the navigator. Yeah, that's a really interesting name for something. And 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 I kind of get the concept of looking at the wider organisation. How do you think that will? What do you think the employee will get out of that? Explain a little bit more about it. Well, I, I think the, the the navigator, as I sort of see it, it, is is really somebody who is trying to, if you like have a balance between individualism and collaboration okay they're, they're having to we've got the fact you've got an organization which is probably flatter than it's ever been before you've got individuals who have needs and we've probably got the need to collaborate more than we ever have done you know in this new world and so uh, that's really what they're having to do is they're having to help employees and teams find the right place to go find the right thing to do find the team that's working on something that supports what you're doing so they're becoming almost a focal point for what's going on and if you like being able to reflect back the pulse of the organization to the employees so i think that's that's what i think they would see is that they're seeing the leader providing that direction but in a different way to how we've seen direction being given in the past and uh, I mean, just reflecting, it's almost like the Belbin role of resource investigators. To, to, an, ex degree, to yeah. an extent, the explorer type of sets of behaviours. But of course, in all of these things, they've still got to excite and enthuse the employees, which is not easy. You know, they've got to energise them, make them feel part of something when they may not necessarily be having that interaction that you mentioned earlier on a regular basis. So that's a tough gig. 
Mm. So, you know, that's why I'm saying that the role of the leader in the future is not an easy one. You know, they're going to have possibly gig workers, you know, people, contingent workers, full-time, part-time, different locations, different skill demands, different technology access points. So suddenly this is becoming a complex role. And so we need to make sure that we're recruiting the people who can deal with that both intellectually and emotionally and are able to deal with some of the those challenges which are going to be quite tough because the the last theme of performance is relentless you know we're still going to want improvement more growth results targets being achieved all that good stuff but the the manager and the leader is going to have to do all of this through their teams and they're not going to necessarily be as transparently obvious as it may have been in the past because the employee may be saying well I've I've got this thing I'm doing with two other different departments and it's 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 cumbersome it's not working we can improve it this way so it's not going to be something that's necessarily I think within the jurisdiction of a leader or a manager as it has been in the past if that makes any sense yeah so it's very much a more collaborative approach I think so things done and I think that's one of the challenges that digital and technology is going to bring for the leader of tomorrow because that is a tough ask but they've got a tough job today let alone adding these layers of complexity which are you know taking it to another level and okay so our HR professionals uh, listening in um, to this podcast now will be thinking or probably dreading some of what we've been talking about and thinking there's a gap in their organisations and so from today to tomorrow obviously we're talking about differences in time not literally tomorrow but what can HR professionals be thinking about now to try and reflect on this and actually start the change process within the organisations with their leaders yeah no good question I, I think the things that immediately come to mind okay so competency or capability frameworks okay um they're intrinsically out of date the day you launch them okay so why don't you reflect on your framework when was it created and more importantly does it reflect the needs of your organization in 2020 2021 you probably can't think much beyond that but i think you need to be considering firstly is our competency framework future-proofed The reason being is that if we then look at the next area of workforce planning, succession planning, there is no point in developing people for tomorrow's leadership roles using yesterday's competency framework. Mm. Because by the time they've got there in 2020, they're really good at doing the things that were needed by a leader in 2016. And it's interesting because I think there's a lot of um, career pathway software out there that yeah. there's really quite funky stuff and everything that can engage an employee, but it relies on the skills that are inputted in the competency frameworks that are inputted. Very much so. So we we're gonna, we have to think differently about things. So, you know, a great example, again, I can't give the name of the customer because it, it, it's sort of quite an unusual way of doing something, but the, there's an organization I've worked with who are, who are adopting what we call the Chelsea model. So Chelsea Football Club, as you know, have an amazing youth academy scheme, um, but they have a challenge of then translating that, that brilliance into their first team. And so what they do is they loan out probably 30 or 40 of their young players to all different grounds, different teams for a season to, for them to grow and develop. 
um, and then they come back theoretically in a better place ready to get into the first team but unfortunately doesn't really happen and they then get sold on for many millions of pounds which then just adds further income so think of it in a work context I've got a lot of high potential people. The organization is flatter than it's ever been before. I don't have the same sorts of opportunities. So why don't you look at your supply chain? Look at the people you partner with. Look at other organizations that are similar but different. Why don't you loan them out for a couple of years? And people have been, well, if we do that, they'll just leave us. And what I'm saying is if you don't do it, they're gonna leave you anyway. And one of the things that I've seen from the initial feedback is, it's an amazing energizer for the employee. The employees, when they come back, are bringing different thinking, different thought processes, different ways of doing things, and they're developing their skills to another level that could be done very quickly, because obviously the organization they've gone into is probably smaller than the one that they, that they were leaving. And, and that sounds like, like a really radical thing yep. to do. But as you rightly say, it's the Chelsea model. It's the way Chelsea works. And I was just thinking back to my degree. Well, you did a sandwich course. So you did two years of the theoretical study, and then you went out for an industrial placement for a year, and you came back with new ideas and experience that made what you actually did back at the university relevant and you understood the bigger context so right. actually if you if you loan out one of your team to uh to one of your suppliers they come back with how it works on the other side of the fence Correct. and suddenly the whole organization has a better yep. relationship and they've got different behaviors that they've had a chance to use and whatever so that's just an example of what i've seen but i but i think inherently We've got to think about how people learn. So I think micro learning, these small bite sized chunks, that's the way that leaders are going to learn in the future. They haven't got time to go away for weeks. So we need to adapt the learning opportunities to the time that's available. And, and I think my final thing, my final plea to HR is to say, please, can you get rid of all these horrific practices that we've used in the past? have been saying, well, we can't pay you any more money because you're a really good individual contributor. So what we're gonna do is make you a manager because we can now pay you more money and we've lost our best individual contributor and we've got a crap manager. <laughs> so we, we have got to make sure that those practices are, you know, disregarded. And, and what's the cause of the problem? The cause of the problem is that your pay structure is wrong, okay? so adopt a different way of looking at reward instead of trying to shoehorn people into a process that isn't fit for purpose let alone in the tw in the 200 in the 2000s let alone in the 2020s and i think that's that's a really interesting point because we're focusing on leaders and learning and everything but and uh, we're at the end of our podcast yeah. now we're, we're opening up a whole can of worms here but it's actually really interesting that that actually we're looking at that but actually it is the reward and recognition system that either makes something work or doesn't work. Yes. So really interesting. So we, so the upshot is we've got to look at our competency framework. Yeah. We've got to look at our reward structures. We've got yeah. to look at how we learn and everything, and look at who we promote, and look at outsourcing our people. So a bit of a shopping list for our listeners. Well, I think it's just to that the underlying principle is think outside the boundaries under which you're currently thinking. Which is a great way of summarising it. Actually, just step back, think differently. What are you trying to achieve? Yeah. Dave overrunning already so thank you very much for being here today i really appreciate your insight thank you pleasure and thanks everyone for listening once again um these tap talk hr podcasts are available on many different channels you can always find them at tapped uh, where you can actually give us some feedback thanks for listening mm -hmm.